1: Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll
0: make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary
1: perks,
0: Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, presented by Blue Wire. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. Carter Rodriguez has the night off. Uh, so today I have my boss. I'm gonna have to be on my best behavior because Chris Manning from Fearless Sword is in the house. Chris, how's it going, buddy?
1: I'm doing good. And you don't have to be on your best behavior. You can you can be Justin. I, I love Justin in all his shapes and forms. Anything well view, I, I mean there. you've only seen me on my best behavior so <laughs> justin i've seen the pictures people have pulled up from like your facebook like seven years ago so i, I, <laughs> I, I think we're okay <laughs> yeah the, the, there uh
0: there were some rough patches there the uh the 10-year challenge i'm not much better looking but <laughs> i've i've been less embarrassing and i think that's that's the important
1: thing there yeah i i think that's fair
0: Speaking of less embarrassing, not a bad performance against the Boston Celtics for the Cavs' uh, young players. Uh, overall, still a 22-point loss, even though the Celtics didn't have Al Horford or Kyrie Irving. Uh, but Jetty Osman with a career-high 25 points, 6-7 from the three-point line. He, I mentioned this in our uh, group chat there earlier, but tonight's performance actually raises his uh, three-point percentage on the season by 2%. He's up over 32%, so that's fun. Uh, Ante Zizic with 19 points, 8 rebounds. Colin Sexton with 16 points, uh, which, uh, I mean, 16.3 assists, not too bad, especially when you consider he he did get uh, guarded by Marcus Smart a, a considerable amount tonight. And he still just doesn't get any calls at the rim. Uh, Chris, what were you going through watching this game?
1: Well, I I will not deny the fact that when the Celtics ran zone for a little bit, I was like, okay, like we could probably all turn this off and like come back in five minutes and know exactly. There was what some happened. trauma. There was definitely some trauma there. That's... I was just like, oh, they have no idea what to do here. <laughs> this team is like, I I just I know I sort of know why more teams don't do this because it's like not something they're going to run a lot and it doesn't work against a lot of teams. But I just don't know why like every team. Like every, you grow up playing basketball and like you've run a two, three zone at some point. Right. I'm not sure why, like, every team, when they have like a week before the Cavs or coaches, just spend like an hour on it or like 30 minutes on a practice. Like, okay, hey, when we play Cleveland, we're going to run this two, three zone. This is your responsibility. Um, we're only running for a couple of minutes, but it's like, literally, they don't know what to do against it. And you're not going to have to move that much <laughs> because like Colin is is going to dribble or Alec Burks is going to dribble 10 times. Like, I just don't know why every team doesn't do that. The Cavs right. offense is like anemic when that happens. Um, Plus,
0: yeah, you just have to run it for five minutes. And then from that point on, you can essentially nurse whatever lead you built up in that time. And that should be enough to kind of clinch the game for you.
1: Yeah. Like that's really all you need to do. Um, and like that it's, I just don't know why more teams just don't do it. Like I, it's it's not like it's hard to beat the Cavs anyway, you know,
0: <laughs> I, I think that might be part of it. Teams don't want to abandon what they uh, traditionally do because yeah. it's not like you need this one kind of tactic to, to get by them. But, um, as I mentioned, we we know that the Cavs aren't good overall as a unit. Um, we're probably, I don't know. Things are going to get a little bit interesting because we got about two weeks before the trade deadline. This will be posting on Thursday. Um, And that probably means the end of some of our our better wing play uh, with Alec Burks and Rodney Hood probably on the way out. Um, I I know personally I'm a little bit more excited just because, one, change is fun. The unknown is kind of sexy. It gives us something new to talk about. And, two, maybe we we get – a little more Jetty Osman, and and hopefully that comes alongside Kevin Love. And uh, if Jetty plays like he did tonight, uh, I'm I'm here for it.
1: Yeah, the thing that – I think Burks is like a goner. Like I, I just can't imagine he's not traded. But the thing with like Rodney Hood, and I, I'm working on a piece about this that people will be able to read it for the sword. Um, he's been really bad. And, I like, I know, like, we've thought about, like, him um, going to the Rockets. Like, that's something I know you're you kind of just like, okay, this just makes too much sense not to happen. Um, I, you know, I, I have a thing going up at Fansided about, like, t- trade for the Mavs to make. I'm like, okay, Rodney Hood to help clear some cap space could be a, a thing with, with Burks. But, like, he's not good, and he hasn't been good. Um, I'm looking at his basketball reference page right now.
0: There's like a lot weird, of blood. There's a lot of blood on it. But it's
1: like weird because it's like he's shooting better from two point range than he, than he did, um, in his best season in the, in the, in his last season with Utah before he got traded last year, mm-hmm. um, he's shooting better from, from three than he was, uh, last year a little bit. And he's shooting into, but it's the worst three point shooting mark he's had since he was 23. He's also taking like half the number of threes he took when he was 23, which is very odd. Right. Um, And yes, and it's like in the same rough number of minutes per game. I just don't – and like some of it is the Cavs' like offense is not good and the scheme is not good and and everything. But like why would a team want Rodney Hood?
0: Well, I I think part of it is that there just really isn't that many sellers this season because you have the entire Western Conference essentially that is in a playoff race that they all believe that they can compete – um, and there 's just not a lot of teams that are looking to sell off pieces and and when you have a guy that isn 't expiring in Rodney hood um i i don 't necessarily know if he 's going to be a big part of taking on salary beyond this season in order to get an asset. but if all the Cavs are really asking is for a second round pick or or maybe some sort of flyer uh rights to an international player like i I can see how there would be some teams that have interest and in, and today uh uh, Sham Sh- Shirinia there uh, had said that New Orleans, Oklahoma City, Milwaukee have uh, emerged looking for help for, for uh, on the wing. Uh, they're calling the Cavs. Uh, I saw reports Golden State Warriors and Toronto Raptors are also interested. So I think there's going to be a market just because there's so few uh, teams that are looking to sell off pieces. Rodney Hood is still kind of intriguing. I mean, we, we've all fallen for it at some point in, in the process and i i just think that there there's going to be somewhat of a market and and maybe it also benefits that i don't think a lot of people are able to put themselves through watching a lot of cavs games this season so maybe they, <laughs> they look at the numbers and they say oh you know those percentages aren't aren't too bad um so so maybe those are all kind of factors that are contributing to interest in
1: hood well and if you think about why the cavs acquired him even though he was a streaky player um a flawed player with like injury issues and everything I mean, he he played 39 games um, with the Jazzmanship, but he played 60, 59, and 53 of the four seasons before. So, like, it's not like he's been super healthy ever. The Cavs were in a position last year where I think, like, they felt like they had to do what they did at the deadline, and I think that's right. And it's why, like, they gave up the pick for the Clarkson thing and why, like, some of the money in those deals wasn't great, even though they flipped some of it. Um, right. A team like OKC, a team like New Orleans, two teams that, you know, are in that report from Shams, makes sense like there are teams that like feel like they have a lot to lose like the pelicans are obviously freaking arvin davis the thunder are, like don't have roberson like their their wing depth is a little shaky so like i i that, and i guess for those teams i get it um i just don't think you're getting much um which is like fine like the cavs should like take a second round pick and like be happy with it because like they don't have many good young players and we don't know if any of their young players are really good um but, like, yeah, I mean, I I too am in for I I I'll ask you this, though. When you look at the roster, just the fact that it's, like, very top-heavy in terms of size and it's going to be, like, a lot of two-big lineups with weird wing play, like, it's not going to be fun. But, like, do you fear that it could be a little bit worse than what we're looking at now? Because I, I wonder if, like, Kevin Love gets hurt again if it's just all, like,
0: Okay. there. There's the important qualifier because I, I think it all hinges on Kevin Love because I, I think Kevin Love being there is going to make things make a whole lot more sense. It's not going to make them that good. And and again, the lottery odds are put in place now so that you don't have to worry about, oh, the, this win, we couldn't afford to get this win here because uh, the, the odds are essentially flattened. So, um, I, I think Kevin Love being there allows you to run kind of dribble handoffs. So you're able to work off of him as kind of that high usage guy. If he gets hurt or if they just shut him down for the rest of the season, um, I, I think there's certainly potential for things to, to get uglier than they are right now, um, which is pretty remarkable. I was looking at it today. It seems hard to believe that there are seven teams this season that are less efficient offensively than the Cavs like doesn't isn't that a little tough to wrap your head around
1: yeah it seems like a lie like honestly like it seems like <laughs> numbers are being like screwed with in some regard. because like i just watched the Cavs play offense and i'm like they do nothing good they literally yeah. do nothing good like i mean if you had to like describe the kevin loveless cavaliers what would you say their best offensive attribute is
0: uh, offensive rebounding. Um.
1: it's just like the least, like the least sexy thing to watch. It's not fun. Yeah. Like Tristan, Tristan, like wrecking people is like fun, but like
0: yeah. Typically, stars. the only players that look good are guys that are crashing the glass and getting putbacks. I mean, um, and, and it's funny because it, it feels like again that we've had multiple teams throughout this season where there was a stretch where Tristan was really carrying, uh, the team and he was putting up like 15 and 15. Uh, there was that stretch where Larry Nance was playing great at, as a point forward. Um, and, and then of course there's the majority of the time where they just have been a bit of a struggle. Um, so I, I still don't know what the, this team's kind of identity is. I, I know that the objective of the season, as soon as Kevin Love, busted up his foot was okay this is our opportunity to restock uh we're going to sell off some veterans we're going to get a high pick in this draft and then we, we can move forward from there um but in terms of a style of play it's it's really tough and I, I think part of that also has to do with the coaching staff sort of checking out
1: I feel really bad for Larry Trudeau I will I will really say um I don't I like think about this a lot when I think about like who they're going to hire as an head coach and like what kind of coach they're going to hire. And, um, you know, considering like the last time I hired, they like actually did a coaching search. It ended up with Blatt. And like, I just don't feel like I know what to really, to really expect from any of this. If I could cut you off quickly, yeah. I still think Blatt was a good hire. Like I, I don't disagree. I don't it disagree. It didn't
0: work out. And I, what's actually encouraging is I, I think in the past or the assumption with Dan Gilbert is that, people always think, okay, he's going to do the worst possible thing. He's going to hire Thibodeau. He's going to give him control of the franchise, something like that. But it seems like Gilbert thinks of himself as an innovator. And I, I think the Blad hire was an inspired hire. It was out of the box. And I really hope that they go that direction. And And Joe Varden in his mailbag had talked about um, that right now the it seems like the Cavs are going to hire an assistant, someone that hasn't been a head coach before. Uh, It's not going to be a retread. So to me, again, it's something that's new. Uh, I would prefer that to a retread hire, even if it's not great. I think it's it's a better idea than going with someone we know is a little bit
1: underwhelming. I'm gonna well, one thing. All I'm gonna say is Mike Brown is currently an assistant, and you could spin him as as you new. Know, just kidding. But um, <laughs> I I will always love Mike, so I'm, yeah, I to, I wouldn't get too mad at
0: that at that. But
1: like, I think about Larry Drew, and I also I like I don't necessarily think he has like him or Longobardi or like the the, the staff that's in place right now like has like an overarching Kenny Atkinson esque Lloyd Pierce esque vision for this group. But I also no. don't think the roster like allows itself for that. Like the th- the reason that like you watch the Hawks and it's like you feel like you like they have something and it's some and it put to me it puts them like ahead of the Cavs in terms of the rebuild is like Trey Young ha- it like gives you some sort of shape like he isn't there yet but like the idea of Trey Young gives you a shape John Collins being really good gives you a shape because he's a role man and he does all this this really useful stuff like when you look at the Cavs young players, especially because there's no Kevin Love, like Jetty doesn't have an offensive identity right now because he's being asked to do like stuff that he's not good at yet, or just like isn't comfortable with yet. Colin Sexton right. like just isn't strong. He's not, I, I think is a strength thing more I think he's not strong enough to do some of the stuff he might end up being good at. Um, mm-hmm. Like when he, like tonight the play for me that stood out to him was he was uh, first quarter. It was maybe his first drive. He's on the right wing. Marcus Smart, like is obviously a very strong guy of an elite defender, Very physical, but Colin, like when he gets stronger, he should be able to like bully past that. But once Marcus got ahead of him a little bit, Colin just felt like he had nowhere to go and just passed. Like you, you, we're like the 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 Cavs young players, especially because there is no Kevin Love. It just feels like there is no structure to that. And like I just like hope they hire whoever they hire. I just hope like that guy can come in and like has a roster that like he can actually or or she can do something that like gives them something of a shape because i i think that's the part of this that makes it suck the most like jim boylan's teams have a shape they're just like they're all nuts because it's jim <laughs> boylan like the calves the don't even have that no no for sure and you know what i we got to
0: be fair to them too they're human and it's got to be tough to know that there is almost no chance any of them will be back next season uh like this is just such a lame duck year for them um and and it was always going to be a tough situation when you have a new general manager in place because anytime there's a change in the front office that almost always is followed by a change in the coaching staff. Um, So I I just think it's a really tough position for them to be put in. Um, And as much as I'd love for them to be really planning for the future and trying to craft an identity, I understand that that's probably really tough to get up for. And you, you can, you can preach, all you want in practice and in film sessions, but unless you actually have players that are able able to go out there and execute, what your vision is is never going to be clear to the public because there's just no way that we're going to see them execute whatever they're being asked to do at least 60% of the time or enough that we kind of get a sense of where they're trying to
1: go. Do you feel like there could be – a negative impact in like taking on too much just dead weight like if they just you know they're obviously making trades for money like I look at John Henson I'm just like I have no idea what you're supposed to do with John Henson on this on this roster like obviously you want to flip him again but like I just like if you can't like what what's the it's weird having him there yeah you feel like there's true. a point where like you could just like not have you could have like too much dead weight that you're like acquiring assets and getting on guys but but you just have a bunch of junk that doesn't support them. I think like that to me concerns me a little bit. Um, I don't it, really it does, know.
0: If it does. It does concern me. But here's the thing, I don't think the type of dead weight that you're referring to that'll really kind of weigh you down to some extent. Jim. I don't think you. <laughs> I don't think you take on that salary unless it comes with kind of an equal value in assets. And I just don't think that there is enough teams that are both in possession of that dead weight and with the assets to make that trade worthwhile for the Cavs in order for them to pull off multiple moves like that at the deadline. Like I I think we're going to see a lot of guys get moved, but it's not going to be for as much salary coming back to the Cavs as we are anticipating. And it's not going to be for as much many assets as we're anticipating. Um, If in fact you are anticipating that. So I think, uh, I think that it's not going to be too big of a concern John Henson's interesting to me because theoretically that that's a player that I'd really like to have on this team, but do you have four centers that you're now invested in? Like, it is Ante Zizic worth investing in for you?
1: It's it, it gets tricky in a hurry. Let's talk about Ante. Um, I've been really impressed by him the last week, like very smooth is finishing against, like, he had this really nice finish in the first quarter against Aaron Baines, had, a sw- like, a sweeping finish. Um, I, I think that, like, I think him doing that kind of stuff is just, like, interesting enough to me where I just want to see him play, and I just feel like you have, like, I can't, I will, like, think it'll be very weird if, like, let's say in three weeks, it's after the All-Star, it's after the All-Star break, and Larry Giroux, like, has everyone back, including Nawaba, Love, Tristan, Nance, etc. I think it'd be really weird if, like, you don't play Ante at this point. And I think it'd be, like, almost a disservice to not play him. Because, like, you don't have to decide on his future this summer because you have all this really cheap team control on him. So, like, you could just have him around. But I'd rather start knowing if he's worth anything. And he's done enough the last couple weeks now that he's healthy um, where I I think it would be really interesting. I think – I think that's an optimistic
0: viewpoint. Um, he has been better. I will give you that. Um, but, I mean, even tonight, you look at it, 19 points, 9 of 17 shooting. He really does have stone hands. Like, once he gets the ball, he's, at, he's got a nice finishing touch, but he doesn't really have a sense of how to gather the ball. He, he's a little bit clumsy there. I don't think he's somebody that that's ever going to be able to defend at a meaningful enough level to be a real rotation player. Um, I, I mean, he it's nice to see him put up these type of offensive performances, but I, I think ultimately his most valuable asset to the Cavs is going to be as a cheap throw-in when they're looking to move somebody uh, a bigger contract. Like, if they end up... Finding somehow a trade for Jordan Clarkson, I, I could see Ante being kind of a throw-in there, uh, or in the J.R. Smith deal, or or some other trade. I I can see that being his destiny with this team, rather than somebody that uh, you want to find out what they have
1: in. Is he the is he the player like by a wide? Is it but for you by a wide margin the young player you're least interested in? Like is it for you like a big yeah. gap between yeah. Sexton and him?
0: Yeah. Um yeah and I mean I yeah it's a massive gap obviously between Sexton and him because I mean Sexton as much as I've been discouraged by him at times there's also very encouraging things like I think this strength point is really real and we had talked about on the last podcast that all of a sudden, if he gets a little bit stronger and he's able to pull up off the dribble or or finish through guys, that changes everything because he does have a lot of other skills that, that are encouraging. I think that's kind of the one real missing piece. And then from there, you can start getting into conversations on – how much responsibility can you give him running a team and, and other team-building conversations. But um, Ante, I just don't see the path to him being a player that matters in, in a rotation if, if you want to be a good team. I, I just honestly don't. Um, he had good stretches like this last season as well uh, when he gets his minutes up. I think he's big enough, he, he's good enough on the boards, and, and he can finish when he does get the ball. So if he starts playing – um kind of these starters minutes where he's playing 30 minutes or whatever I think he's going to give you like 15 and 8 or or 16 and 10 um I just don't think that any of those stats really matter
1: I think that's reasonable I think um I think there is like a place for him like being able to score as a as a big off the bench and I would like to see it but also like his future to me sort of probably depends on on what happens with Tristan and Love because I think we like as much as like we're not sure how good Larry Nance might be and the injury issues haven't helped him and what his role like sort of should be like he's on a contract where like he's going to be around and he's just like someone that I think they feel like they it helps to have the son of one of the best cabs ever like on the team if he also For happens sure. to yeah. be worth it. Yeah. And he seems to be a, a good locker room presence. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, um, it's- but it's like Kevin could get traded at any point or they could like hang on to him. They could just very easily decide to do either. And with Tristan, like he's a free agent in next year. And there's already like the idea that like, okay, next year, he will be a trade asset. Um, well, a contender that wants to expire in contract and a guy that could maybe help you off the bench for 15, 20 minutes out in the playoffs. Like that could be a value or, he becomes a franchise lifer, and he signs, like, another four-year deal. And if, you know, you go into, let like, next season with, like, let's say it's Zion Williamson and Nance and Thompson and Love, which is already maybe crowded, like, there's no room for Ante. Or if you take, like, uh, R.J. Barrett, who I know you'd be very happy about, and you keep mm-hmm. Nawaba, and you have Jetty maybe puts on some size, and you sign, you know, somebody else, like, you're already going to be crowded because you want to play a little smaller. So I think he could be, like, someone you just – I agree, like, tack him on and of a deal, um, and then he becomes just, like, a luxury somewhere. Because like, it, But if it's, like, five years ago, he might be looked at differently, but it's just, like, the league where I could see him easily getting squeezed out because he is the least modern of the guys they have. Like, even though Larry Nance is not proven to be, like, a reliable shooter or anything, right. like yeah. he, like, could do Their it. Their most like, modern say,
0: center like, is probably John Hansen.
1: <laughs> which is, like... Tough look. Tough look for Kobe
0: Altman's roster building. Um, right. Okay, I, I, yeah. It's also basically year one of him actually getting into it. So I, I, I'm going to start looking at Kobe Altman's roster building next season. Like, this is just such a lost year. Island of Misfits to, misfit Toys, Asset Accumulation. It, it's uh, – man, I can't talk today. Um, it, it's funny because even you mentioning David Nwaba, like – it is such a bummer to me, and it, it feels like such a ripoff that we got, like, four games of Kevin Love. We barely have seen Nwaba, Uh two players that I really enjoy watching play. Like, Noaba was – he had an impact when he, when he was in games this season. Uh, so, like, that's really, really disappointing to me. Um, it's – and as I've mentioned before – the Cavs are bad. They'd be bad under any circumstance. But the fact that they're missing six, seven rotation players, there's not a lot of teams that can survive that. Um, so I,
1: I think that's a big part of why things look so ugly here. I agree. And I, 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 I love David Nwaba. Um, I, I, like, know why teams haven't signed him because his, his, like, shot is, like, a real not good thing. Like, it's a really bad. But, like, imagine if you just, like, have him on, like, a team that's good and he's just, like, rotating around and, like, defending multiple positions. Like, I feel like he could help the Cavs the last couple years. Like, that's just, like, the offense is, like, like, just imagine, like, if he's defending somebody in a playoff series against, like, instead of, like, Jeff Green. And I love Mm -hmm. Jeff Green. But, like, (laughs) that's just the – that's just – I don't know. I feel like he's really useful. And I I sneakily think – this is, like, way down the line. But I feel like his restricted free agency is just, like, one of the really – they will have leverage to like sign him to like a reasonable contract if they mm-hmm. decide they want to go that route. And if I were Kobe Allman, I'd be like, you want like a three year deal? We'll pay you like, I don't know the right number, but like, a like enough to stick around for three years and kind of see what works. And I, I yeah, think that's a, a team friendly
0: contract. I, I yeah. definitely think so. And, and this year probably actually helped that in, in terms of him, not really playing a whole lot, but, and it's, it's funny because it hasn't, It's not like they've reported a really serious injury, but when you look at it, he's just been out for
1: so long with these nagging issues. Um, Now, he's the one guy, when I've been in games, I've, like, seen Nance, like, walking around. Like, he looks better. I have not, like, seen Nawaba in a while. Like, before games, like, I'm in the, like, downstairs. Like, I haven't seen him enough to, like, sort of see if he's walking okay. Like, I can't figure it out. Like, anecdotally, like, like pregame today, we saw Kevin Love... Um, on the on the telecast like he was working out before the game which is an indication that he's getting back to getting closer to playing there just hasn't been that with the Waba and it's just like they haven't said anything so it's just very right. weird
0: yeah Ke- Kevin Love jumping up off the bench uh, to congratulate Jordan Clarkson after he, he uh, made that shot at the buzzer at the end of the third quarter like you just see the other guys is way more active and and I'm sure Tristan's probably precautionary um, I, I thought with Al Horford being out to rest, that was kind of an indicator that Tristan was actually going to be in the lineup. But I, th- I think there was still just a little bit too much trauma for old Al to uh, <laughs> take part in this game. Yeah. R.I.P. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I mean, the, the trade deadline is probably the second most important day for the Cavs the, this season. I mean, uh, we're, we're getting really, really damn close to it, and and uh, it, it's basically all I, I can think about right now because I, I just am so curious to see exactly what Kobe Altman is able to pull off. Because even though the deals did not work out in hindsight, I don't think the Cavs, any anybody covering the Cavs, any Cavs fans, I don't think anybody thought that we really had the bullets in the chamber to pull off substantial changes to the roster and. Most of those changes didn't work out by playoffs. Larry Nance Jr. pulled hamstring. Jordan Clarkson had a breakdown. I don't know. George Hill's shoulder issues. Rodney Hood, whatever the hell happened to him. But uh, like they had an impact. Like They had a positive impact when they first came over. And I'm really curious to see what Altman does as one of the only sellers at the deadline. Like If he can pull off. Uh, similar moves to what he's done even this season because I I didn't expect the returns that we got for George Hill or Kyle Korver. I I think those have been valuable moves that they pulled off that are going to help out the long term. I think Alec Burks can really help a team and is going to be an attractive commodity at the deadline so I'm really really curious to see where what direction this goes.
1: This is something I don't know the answer to, and I just, like, can't figure it out. Um, what happens if J.R. Smith isn't dealt? I don't think he gets dealt at the deadline. I I think That's there's so, almost
0: no goddamn chance he gets dealt at the it's deadline. So, it's so weird
1: to, like, imagine that he will, like, still just, like, be in exile.
0: Yeah. He's going to be sitting on his couch until draft night. I think draft night or bet- that stretch between the draft and free agency is where we're going to see him get moved. Because um, I don't think teams want him around in the locker room. They don't want to pay for the rest of his salary this season. But if you can offer them the opportunity to, hey, you shed salary like this, you only have to pay a little bit of his guaranteed money for next season. You're not paying any of his contract for this year. You don't have to deal with him in your locker room. I think that's where he has value right now. And and it's sad because that's a guy that was – a huge part of the championship, uh, a fan favorite in Cleveland. Uh, he, he brought life to the city, and it sucks that uh, it had to go down this way, but, I mean, <laughs> it, he was thrown into the trade as a uh, poison pill when, when the Cavs first got him. Uh, David Griffin didn't want him. Uh, the Knicks sure as hell didn't want him, and the fact that we got good years out of him, I, I think is
1: uh, is definitely a win in retrospect. Can't believe like Amon Schumper like is like playing like better, except when he's like oh, I can't say it. Um that's, no that's no it. you you can say
0: his his decisions on court are a lot better than off the court right now. Yeah,
1: my guy, what's going on there, Shump? Um <laughs> like just bad shooter, always a bad shooter. Um she, like I just can't believe that like that's how that worked out. And it's like I could wouldn't have predicted the, that fact, but um It's, like, just very – it's just, like, that whole trade and, like, the fallout of, like, that roster and, like, where everyone has ended up is just, like, so weird to me. And, like, I just, like, what is – I just wonder what JR is, like, doing every day. You know, like, we saw, like, Melo when he ended up in Purgatory. Like, he went to the gym. He put on a hoodie. He played, like, some pickup. It's just, like, JR just, like, tweets every once in a while.
0: Yeah, yeah. And M- Melo had that giant fish he caught. Melo went there.
1: fishing. Did Jair get an
0: invite to fishing? Like, <laughs> um... It's funny because the two guys I was most nervous about were the two clutch guys, Tristan Thompson and Jair Smith. And for various reasons. For Tristan, I was concerned because that's a hustle guy. He's been ha- ha- He's had all these deep playoff runs and stuff like that. Is he going to be able to still get up? And he stepped up in a major way. J.R. Smith said he was going to step up as a leader. He was excited about this opportunity, and that lasted uh, not not too long. Uh, that that turned around pretty damn quick and got to the point where the Cavs had to banish him from the team. Uh, that's not really a huge surprise to me. He hasn't been great in situations where there is instability, and um, this season in particular. I mean, I think he caused a lot of the instability because. As bad as the Cavs have been, they aren't the the sideshow that they were early in the season or at at some of their lowest points in in franchise history. This is just a bad team, and that's it. It's the bottom line. It's not kind of a historic fuck-up of a situation what's going on guys we're going to get back to the podcast with chris manning in just a second uh but you guys already know that the best way to support us is by subscribing and leaving a review but another great way to support the podcast is to support the people that support us so i'm going to give a shout out to our sponsors here the first of which is my pillow uh you know guys like the rest of us, you probably made a couple of New Year's resolutions. If you're planning on eating better, exercising more, being more patient, kinder, or whatever it is, it all starts with a good night's rest. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the four-pack special and enter our promo code COZY, and you'll get two premium MyPillows and two Go Anywhere Pillows. It's amazing what a difference a great pillow makes. If you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on their four-pack, shipping is absolutely free. That's right, no shipping cost. Zippo, zilch, nada. And don't forget about their 60-day money-back guarantee. There's nothing better than the gift of restorative sleep. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the four-pack special, and use my code COZY to get two premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. MyPillow.com or call 1-800-966-1472 remember my promo code can be used for any offer on mypillow.com again that's promo code cozy all right guys Um, you might be listening to the podcast right after watching the debut of this show Um, and that is of course pure on wgn america you've heard plenty of stories about drug cartels they're all over the news but the crime ring you probably never heard of is one of the most dangerous in the world they are the mennonite mob you heard right Mennonites. 99% of them are kind, God-fearing people, but there's one group that has smuggled millions of dollars of narcotics from Mexico up to Canada, and they haven't even shared with me. Wednesday, starting at January 23rd at 10, 9 central, WGN America presents the new TV series Pure, based on the true events of the Mennonite Mob. The show is about Noah Funk, the newly emected newly elected Mennonite pastor who is determined to rid his community of the drug cartel but he finds himself in way over his head and the good pastor along with his wife will do some very bad things all in the name of protecting their family think of pure as breaking bad meets witness meets narcos get hooked on pure wednesday starting january 23rd at 10:9 central only on wgn america wgn america is available on direct tv channel 307 this channel 239 or check your local cable listings for the channel in your area. And now,
1: back to the podcast. I I like think the thing that we just I think like the big thing I feel like we don't know and I feel like it's just like we can make jokes about it and be like they're Kings East or like the Kings were Cavs West or something like until – I feel like there's no way for us to, like, look at the Cavs and be like, they're fine. They are organized. They are, like, put together well. They are run well. It's like they do something successful without LeBron, and they aren't, like, just a, a rolling joke in a in a tire fire without LeBron, and, like, that just hasn't happened.
0: Right. and and, like and to be fair, I don't think, based on what we were starting with this season, I don't think there was any way that this year could have gone. I don't think there's any general manager – that's ever existed in the nba that could have changed kind of the direction this season was going to go with kevin love busting up his foot before the season even started trying to play through it and then needing surgery like you were not going to be good this season no matter what happened
1: i think that's fair i i I, like, really, really would like – if I could, like, ask anyone in a question under, like, true serum, I would, like, love to, like, talk to Kobe Alman and, like, get, like, five minutes where he just, like, had to tell the truth and, like, how good they actually thought they would be when they were, like, spinning the we're going to push for the eight seed this year.
0: I still think that that was a leverage play Do you? I agree.
1: Oh, 100 percent agree. For for Hill and Corver and Jr. And I think getting Channing Frye back because I don't I don't know how like one of the mysteries I have because he's sort of like not around as much in the locker room post game as he used to be is like I wonder what Channing's thinking right now. Like, I still think Channing
0: is there to help re-sign Kevin Love. Oh, I don't I don't think I he's really like a problem. No 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 I but I'm saying what that move signals to me I I really do think that. In the Cavs' minds, and Kobe Altman's mind, they are anticipating a quick turnaround here. That after selling off the veterans this year, they're going to stock, refill the cupboards. You're going to have Kevin Love. You're going to have whichever centers they decide to go with next year. Have a top pick. Colin Sexton, a year wiser, a year smarter. Offseason with NBA trainers. Jetty Osman, obviously, they, they, they believe in him. And they're going to build around that. And I I think that they believe that you can have a quick turnaround. And even if you just miss the playoffs next season, um, I I think that that's kind of what they project for themselves next year. I think that they think that they're a team that can either squeak into the playoffs or that they're going to be heading in that direction to, to make the postseason
1: again. I think that's fair. Um, And obviously a lot of this hinges on the draft. Um, Like so much of this really hinges on like what happens in June, because like if they end up at there's just like feels like there's such a big difference, and like maybe this is unfair, but it's gonna feel like very different if they end up at one versus six, and like obviously some of that is tied to Zion, but even if think if they don't like end if they like miss out on two, and they end up at they end up like just a little further back, I feel like that's gonna feel weird too, and then I think it's gonna start getting like some real like Orlando Magic vibes.
0: Maybe I I mean there's clearly a drop off. And I don't think you can – if if they do drop below three, I would start to say, okay, now you're starting to get into a range where um, missing the playoffs by, like, let's say seven or eight games would be a nice outcome for the season, if, in fact, they are still gunning for that no matter who they draft. Um, I'm curious to kind of get your thoughts on, on the big board right now. Um, to me right now, I've made a shift. Um, My number three is no longer Cam Reddish. I've got Morant in there. Um, uh, Zion, I still think, is the guy you have to pick number one no matter what. I do still have all the same concerns about him, but it is clear to me that he's kind of the the highest upside play. He's a a once-in-a-generation type uh, player and, and would be really, really exciting to have. So for me, it's Zion, Barrett, and Morant. Um, reddish still excites me a little bit, but, um, there's just too many Wiggins vibes there with his motor to really
1: get my, uh, my motor fired up. Okay. Here is my official. This is like on January 23rd, as we recorded this, this is my draft. Take. No, you're going to be held to this forever. So that's fine. You can, that this, it's very possible because I will like just not watch college until March. Zion. I think you have to number hundred percent agree. I think you take Barrett it two after that depending on like where it seemed like Boston falls with like their cache of picks and other teams, if you fall past you, I really found the Cavs. And this is something that, that Trevor Magnati has sort of sold me on. I think after two, but most certainly like after four. Are you going to I say re- trade back? Trade back. Get more picks. And like if you can get DeAndre Hunter and like another wing as opposed to just like Morant, I want DeAndre Hunter and another player like that that to me is more preferable. Um I also cuz especially because like the Cavs like should not be picky, but I also would feel weird if like they take another like smaller guard with the play with like I just think like there's some weirdness there. So I would rather trade back get me the get me DeAndre Hunter who I'm just like in love with every time I watch him play and get me like other guys in that range and like let's go from there as opposed to like Rolling the dice on like bull bull or like taking Morant or something. Yeah, like that. N-
0: n- there is no situation where I want bull bull. Just I'm going to throw that out there. That no, on agree. my do
1: not draft list. 100% agree. Um, but I, I trading back to me, like I'm going to like look at looking at Tankathon right now. Um, so the Cavs obviously have their have their pick. But you look at a team like if Atlanta falls back and they like want it to move up, like they have two picks. Uh, Boston will have their pick or they'll have other first round picks as well um you have a team you have you have teams that are going to like have the assets to like move up a little bit and like some of that could mean like could be further back a little bit more than you want like brooklyn you know will have like 17 and something later like that's maybe not the most ideal thing but like you will have options to move back and if you could get like a like a two-day lottery picks or like something in that range i would be super comfortable with that um I, I think that's would
0: interesting. Yeah, I I would definitely need a pick that's still kind of in the top ten there. But Mem-
1: Mem- Memphis is the te- like if Memphis keeps sliding, like the, I'm probably less interested. Right. Because like if Memphis the Memphis pick goes to Boston, like and, and I have, think that's have... pretty safe with Conley and Gasol being. Yeah, like here. what? Are, what are we doing? What are we doing here? If you're not getting like a like the like the ninth pick or something like that, so like that that's like the concern. But I would think about it. Um, I I don't think the Cavs like should rule any unless it like I think one and two are like you just like you 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 if they get one like I want the the same thing that happened with Kyrie like I want Machine Gun Kelly and Dan Gilbert and like all <laughs> these people, like celebrating in New York and I want people like real annoyed about it. Um, oh, I I want to
0: be obnoxious again. I want I want a player that people hate that we have. I, well, I, like I I need like, one guy to be obnoxious about. That's all I really need, Chris. I'm telling you. So,
1: you know when like when you're like on TweetDeck and like or Twitter and like like something happened and your feed just like is constantly like updating so you can't actually like keep up to date with it until like you like wait like a minute and then you can finally like start picking through yeah like, yeah i mean i can
0: barely read but yes i i've yeah. i've seen the motion before
1: <laughs> the time that i like that like sticks to me in my head is when the Cavs won the anthony bennett lottery and like people just like lost their minds i just like really want that again especially because of like the take that's like do the Cavs deserve to get zion because that's oh, that's, yeah. that's that's that is the stupidest stupidest take because like the miami heat should definitely be rewarded for signing kelly Olenek to like a 90 million dollar contract
0: oh of course of course actually actually <laughs> like the least egregious
1: contract oh, that right but have. like that's just, just like yeah, the one that no, no
0: i was just i was thinking about that and you, you're right and i think miami yeah um 99 sure Miami's one of the teams that has a worse offense than us this year so uh, uh that's that's a good way would, to you would you, the, uh, would you trade high. alec burks for dion and a pick though Oh, God, go away. Go away. Get off my podcast, Chris. God damn it. Um, no, I, I definitely agree with that. I, I think right now, Zion is the only Tier 1 player. I think RJ is a Tier 2 guy. And then after that, Tier 3 is pretty deep in this draft. Um, but you're just talking got, about guys that aren't necessarily franchise changers. I mean, I still think that there are guys that are able to leap up. Like, if Moran ends up becoming an all-star, that, may, that would not surprise me at all. Like, I think that... He's incredibly dynamic. Um, he's able to get shots for himself and others. RJ uh, becoming the best player in the draft wouldn't surprise me. Cam Reddish becoming the best player in this draft um, wouldn't. I guess it would surprise me to some extent just because of his motor, but his skill set is that high. Um, and in most of those scenarios, that probably means that Zion has had some sort of injuries or setbacks, or or just hasn't developed in the way that. He can because if he reaches his ceiling, he will be the destroyer world. So um I definitely think there's some validity to the uh, trade back argument. I
1: I just like I just don't know like if the Cavs also like can be trusted to like develop someone that like needs some work. Um and that's concerning to me too. I just like don't like if they're in a situation where like the taking someone is going to be like largely reliant on them turning that guy into something that concerns me because i just don't we have never seen them capable of that i think zion
0: has a considerable number of holes and needs a considerable amount of work in the same way that ben simmons does even if he is very flawed in certain aspects of his game i just think he's so dynamic it's not going to matter like he's even if he's not able to generate his own shots off the dribble, he's going to do it off offensive rebounds. He's going to do it in space. He's going to he's going to dominate in transition. Like I just think he's such a force of nature that it, it's not really going to matter.
1: Yeah, I he it's not really him. It's like um, you look at just like the like you know can you can you turn Barrett into like the type of guy that you know molds in a storm? Can you like get the the bad? um habits out of reddish like you know can, can jerry like jared culver who i know trevor magnati like loves like can you kind of like make, make him work on the right way? could like nazir little be like that guy like they're like when you get like some of these picks it's like doesn't matter where it's just there's certain guys like i just get a little dicey because i just don't know if the Cavs who who like say they are in the player development business now Like yeah. that, that was like the the Kobe altman quote of the summer like we just don't know if that's true or not. Um, For
0: sure, and, and it'll be interesting to see if the Cavs do what the Lakers can't do, which is hire a shooting <laughs> coach and a player development. Uh, so, so that'll be interesting to say uh, to see. But I, I think we both agree that what the Cavs do, who the Cavs hire, and their ability to develop whatever talent they do have right now is going to be what defines them the next few years. And. And that's what we're really looking to see. We, we want to see that development. We want to see that structure. And, and from there, we'll, we'll see where things go. And, and hopefully, we're able to maximize whatever assets we end up with. Where, wherever we land in the lottery, hopefully, we're able to maximize that pick. Because as much as at this time of year, we always say, okay, here's the top players. These are the players that are going to matter. A lot of the best teams in the NBA are made up of players that were drafted a long, later on. Denver has one of the best young cores in the league, and they haven't done it with any real high picks. I mean, uh, Jamal Murray, I think he was seventh or eighth. Uh, oh, seventh, he wouldn't have been eighth. Um, but I, I mean, he's probably one of the highest picks that they have. So, uh, I definitely think player development is the most important thing. You you can't control the lottery odds, but you can control whether or not the guys that you do draft are put into a, a healthy environment and that their existing skills are developed and they can become the best versions of themselves.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I think that, and I think that extends like big time to the young guys too. Like we've talked about that, but like, I think with Sexton, I think with with Jetty, I think with Zizich, I think with like, if they want to make a thing or like whatever they decide to do with their two way deals in the future. Like, I think that has to extend the whole roster. Like, the e, I think the ethos of the organization really like has to be like player development. Um, that's like why like the coaching hire matters so much. That's why like the I think like the right two way deals. You know, right? It's a little weird this year because of all the injuries, but like those type of things make sense. Like a son of, like Nawaba makes sense because like that guy has some upside you can mine. So yeah, I agree. I think player development has to be the thing. Um, and if they if they like go a different direction than that as as like a as a coaching hire that that's me will like shoot off some red flags. I think, cause we're going to know that before we know anything else. That's like the part about this that is like, if you're invested in this emotionally, that should drive your anxiety more than anything. Is that like, that is going to happen. And like what they do with the coach is going to, I think tell you like signal more than anything. Um, what their goal is for next year and what, how like they're going to pursue it. And if it's like, okay, we hired, um, Frank Vogel, like that's red flags for me. (laughs)
0: for sure and at least right now the indications we have is that they're not going to go hire rick patino or tom Thibodeau. bring him
1: from the euro league baby let's go yeah so
0: so the worst case scenario it's already probably out the window knock on wood (laughs) let's pray Keep garlic around you and a uh, wooden steak in case Patino comes near. But Chris, really appreciate you coming on, filling in for Carter here. Uh, you guys make sure that you're checking out Chris on Locked On Calves as well as at Fear the Sword. Uh, we, we got a lot of good stuff going up there. Uh, we're trying to keep things interesting for you guys, even though this uh, season has been a little bit lost. Uh, but if you want to support our podcast or Locked on Cavs. Make sure you're subscribing. It's the very, very, very best way to support the podcast. Leave a rating, leave a review. And if you want to be part of our exclusive Discord chat, you can take a screenshot of the review you leave. Email that to chasedownpod at gmail.com. And we'd be more than happy to send you with an invite there. So thanks again to Chris. Thanks to our listeners. And until next time, go Cavs.